This is Pace of Love, honest conversations about parenting, the adoption journey, and how we can look after ourselves whilst we look after our littles. On this episode, I am joined by Andreas Christodoulou, who is my husband of, what is it now? Five years nearly? Yes, something like that. Five years, good thing. And we are going to talk about the idea of adopting a sibling for our little one. So she's been here since October 2022. So we're 10 months in now and we are considering, well, getting her a little brother or sister, really. We've not had a detailed conversation, so we thought it would be interesting to record it as we did. Yes, we pretty much, we know we're going to have, well, I think we're confident that the family needs to have more than one child. But actually, in terms of any more detail other than that, we've really discussed very little. Yeah, so I usually start with asking my guests to introduce their families. And we I haven't actually talked on the podcast in huge detail about how we came to have our little one. So it might be a good idea to kind of start there. So we met in university. I was 18. You were 19. Um, we were then friends for a long time, fast forward quite a number of years, in 2014, I think. 14 something. Christmas. Yeah. Andreas came on to me Probably at a party. came on to me at a party. <laughs> <laughs> and then you came out to visit me in Thailand and we kind of accidentally fell in love, really. Pretty much, yeah. We What? was supposed to be a holiday fling turned out to be far far more as we sit here on our sofa with little C upstairs. Yeah. We I I decided well I should probably I quite like this bloke. So after a year of us doing long distance of me living in Thailand, we thought, well let's give it a go. I moved in with you. Your mother was very happy at the idea of you just moving in with some guy <laughs> yeah. she'd never met. <laughs> <laughs> but that turned out to be fine. Um, we travelled around Australia in a van for a few months and drove nearly 7,000 kilometres together. World's worst van. <laughs> <laughs> and decided if we could survive such close quarters together, we were probably going to be pretty good. You know, that was right. OK, I think this guy could be my for forever guy. And what, a year later we got engaged, got married in 2018. Yeah. And then five years, four years later... We got C. <laughs> like how you've skipped through everything else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we did the kind of traditional throwing contraception away at the end of the honeymoon. Um, things did not go to plan. We tried IVF, which I think is a whole other topic. Which, sure, they learned some, yeah. Uh, which was not pleasant for me. My body did not react very well to the drugs um, and it didn't work. And then adoption yeah. kind of happened. Yeah, basically, if anyone there is thinking of doing IVF, uh, try also not to have a pandemic at the same time would be my advice. Uh, yeah, the pandemic really didn't help. I think being in isolation whilst having to deal especially with bad news. I think, you know, if I was going to scans and they were saying congratulations, it would have been sad that you weren't there. Mm. But being told it wasn't working because we had quite a few ups and downs where it looked like it was about something was going to happen. And then they'd cancel the cycle last minute and having to go in without you was like really hard and not being able to have like a hug from my friends or my family and mm. like really really was tough yeah there was a uh, many incidents of sitting in a car just 
waiting on the phone for you to come out with a little shake of your head again and again. It sucked, but now we have to see. Yeah, and it does really feel like it worked out for the best in that like she feels like our kid and it feels like she was always supposed to be our kid and i never know if people just use those kind of arguments with adoption and they say oh you're you know your child is out there waiting for you and if it's all just a way of coping with how difficult the process is but now she's here and we've got to know her so much better and she's settled in it really does feel like she was waiting for us and we were waiting for her and this is how it was all supposed to work out yeah, whether it was or it wasn't She's here. She's my daughter. Man, I love her. And that's pretty much it for me. <laughs> I'm a simple man. So, what is it for you that makes it feel like we're approaching being ready to have another one? I don't know. I, I still wonder if we're ready to have the first one, but we're about 10 months <laughs> in. <laughs> so, for me, you know, C's been here get, kind of getting on for the better part of a year now. And she's going to go to nursery in a terrifyingly short amount of time. Yeah, I think we start introductions to nursery in something crazy like four, four weeks. Four weeks plus minus the odd day. Um, so, and the adoption agency... I don't know if this is the same for every adoption agency in the country, but at the very least for the adoption agency we're with, they have a rule the your youngest child must be two or more, and there needs to be an age gap of at least a year between the youngest child and the new child. I think and it's the new an age has to be younger. I think it's an age gap of two years between her and the next one. This is something we need to get clarification on, it turns out. It's one year, but... Yeah, there's, there's, yeah there um, has to be a year or two, whatever it is, age gap, and the one that you've already got has to be the oldest one, so that it kind of follows... It follows the natural, natural order of things, yeah. yeah. Which makes sense. Um, I think for me, like, it feels like we have some extra capacity now. Like, it's still really busy, but at the start, I remember saying to you, how does anybody work whilst they have a child? How do two parents work whilst oh. they have a child? How does anyone have more than one child? This is insane. Going to be brutally honest with you, Molly, I am so much less productive <laughs> when she's in the house. Well, yeah, obviously. But I think at the start, everything feels so overwhelming and yeah. you're so consumed by how do we get a car seat in? How do, what are we doing about her snacks? How do we get from here to here? And it all Because everything's so new, it's just absolutely overwhelming. Whereas now, it's not that I feel confident that I can definitely look after two children. It's that I feel like there's some extra, certainly mental and emotional capacity. Like things feel like they're on an even keel. And For me, I think the key is I feel confident that I can look after one child. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, and, and for a while, like as well. It's not, you know, remember that, that first time, and I'm sure all new parents of biological and adopted children have had this as well the first time you put them into your car seat that took roughly what i think i think took the better part of four minutes to put her in a car seat like you know and then we would go in this and is the button green and should it be green and then is it clicked in and is there a clicky thing and then i'd check and i'd rotate it and it wouldn't rotate and that's good and you check just again and i'd double check your check etc etc yeah and i'd be sat in the yeah. back and 
like constantly looking at the, the little green indicators that are supposed to be green yeah. to keep checking yeah. that they're still green. Yeah, you know, and and that is, you know, there is nothing different there from, as I've been told, you know, the trip back from the hospital, if your child is, there's no difference there really. But fundamentally, a lot of the, a lot of the practical day to day things just seem like, seem normal now, like. When I get her up in the morning, because I do the morning shift, uh, because you need anywhere in between one five hours to wake up in the morning. <laughs> like, she's got that to a routine. She's happy. We understand. We put her head in front of the telly. She'll ask for milk. We'll have a little play. We might read a little book. It just feels like the way mornings are, rather than if it feels different from yesterday. Um and obviously a new child will come in and change that routine because they will be a different child but the fact that we've got to a place i think where where we're comfortable with c and with her mannerisms her temperaments you know her likes and vice versa she's comfortable with us yeah and i think that's the thing that's changed in the last couple of months is that she's properly properly settled like she's now behaving much more like our friends kids who are biological in that she's quite wary of strangers she runs and clings onto my legs if she's not quite sure of a situation Mm. Um, i've just put her to bed actually for the second time where i've been able to leave the room and said you know good night i love you sweet dreams and just come downstairs whereas before She'd be so terrified by the idea of me leaving the room that that might mean I'm leaving forever, presumably. And just her anxiety at me leaving the room was so high that that just wasn't possible. Whereas now she understands that mummy is a constant enough that sometimes I will go away and I will leave the room, but I will be back. And she's starting to trust that now. And her lack of anxiety, I think, really helps it just to feel a lot more settled. And I know that, you know, there'll be bumps along the road and well, we'll see how the nursery transition goes, etc. But yeah, it kind of feels like we're all used to this life together now. So why not <laughs> disrupt it all again by bringing a new human into the mix? Yeah, I think for me, I keep imagining having a second one in the same way that before we had C, I kind of have little fantasies with my head of like having a little one sort of trundling along behind me or imagining that her room had a child in it. And now I have moments where, especially I think when she's independently playing, where I think, yeah, there could be another kid here. I could see how this would work. Or if, like when I'm babysitting and there's two of them, like babysitting for friends, um, and her little friend is here, I'm like, okay, that gives me a bit of confidence. Not necessarily that it's going to be easy, because I don't think it's going to be easy at all. No. But that... I can at least vaguely cope with two children at the house in the house for like an hour or two. And that and it just it just feels right and it feels to me like there is something missing is maybe the wrong way of putting it, but like it doesn't feel like we're done yet. And I think some people have said to me, however many children they've got, that just at some point they were like, Yeah, I feel satisfied, I feel like the family is done. And I, I don't feel like we're complete yet. Because I'm I'm from a family of, of, of four kids. I'm the oldest of four. And 
to me, that kind of noise and chaos that happens when there's a whole bunch of kids is just part of it and everything. And and yeah, having a, it, in my mind, always it was at least two, mm. it, even from way, way before we started having these conversations. Like in my mind, my family always had at least two kids. Mm. It was probably erring on the larger end. Now, obviously, you know, we're a bit older than, you know, it's not like we're in our mid-40s or anything, but it's unlikely we're going to have a family of seven. But, but yeah, I quite like the idea in my head of, of, of a big family. Certainly, however, like, it feels, it feels odd not to give her a sister or a brother. And I think, I think my own, so the fact that I said sister there, kind of does does leave me slightly on too. Something interesting, I always thought I wanted a boy. But honestly, like it's like I just love my little girl so so much. And it feels and obviously I don't have a boy, so I don't know what the difference is. But in a way it feels like well I mean she's just my little girl. And maybe there's an element of protecting, you know, that desire to protect her in many ways that might feel different or at the very least that I feel might feel different as to if she were a boy. Yeah, and I think that's really hard to know. I'm a friend of mine actually we were discussing this with um, and her response to this was, well, that's not really their most defining characteristic, is it? What genitalia they have, which actually is a great point. Absolutely. Um, and we do unfortunately live in a society where your gender still has a huge role to play in kind of how you experience life. But yeah, I guess I'd always assumed that I'd want one of each because, you know, the one thing adoption gives you is yeah. some choice over the genders of your children uh, or kind of what combination of genders you can have. Which you... And so because you get given the choice, you start thinking about it a lot, I think. But for me, I one I, yeah one I wonder if I would have a different bond with a boy than a girl, or if actually we're just always going to have a different relationship with our two children because they're just different human beings. Yeah, they and will, of course, they will be, and they will become young men and women, and adults, and find their own way in this world as we all will. But I I think I was just and and maybe it's just that she's my first child. But I didn't expect to love her this much. And and she absolutely has me around her little finger. And she knows it. She absolutely <laughs> knows it. She's not an idiot. Like, she started coming to me when you say no to stuff because she thinks I'm the soft touch. That's because she accurately sees the situation <laughs> yeah. yeah she is like i mean luckily we're pretty good at staying on the same page and because you yeah, know also we're about two meters yeah long, so i can just quite... shout <laughs> so we're like right if you ask mummy right you know to make sure that we're staying consistent um but yeah i mean you guys have a different relationship but i don't know if that's because of the gender or because of the fact that i'm the primary caregiver no well, obviously it's probably because of both but but in a way, like I can imagine her 
in a few years' time, working out that if she high pitches her voice a bit and flutters her eyelashes metaphorically and literally, she will have a far higher chance of getting what she wants than a boy. Yeah, that's interesting. And I think I think that actually will be the case. And I will try, and I would always try to raise however many children of whatever combination of sexes we had in as you know as fair and even-handed a way as possible subject to the fact that they're all different humans anyway and yeah and i think we do a fairly good job of trying to not necessarily gender neutral parent you know i put her in dresses she wears a lot of pink etc but you know she has access to building and construction toys she's got cars and trains and and like things that would be seen as stereotypically male yeah, I think I'm really conscious of us not pigeonholing ourselves too much. Like, I think I imagine having a second girl, but I think that's just because I've only got one child and the easiest thing to imagine is having a copy of the one that we've already got. So I imagine C and a little C, but of course that's not what will happen. Yes, yeah. Whether they are male or female, they will be whoever the, whoever the heck they are. Yeah, as so I think it's sort of easier to imagine having two little girls, but I really, really don't want to go into matching with the idea that we're adopting either a girl or a boy, actually. I'd like to wait for the right child. I think it is right to keep, to not close that door. Um... But I do feel at the moment a little bit like I might be fighting against you if I see a boy that I like. And um, I think, I, I, to be honest, when it, when it was C, when we were picking C god what an odd phrase to use when we were picking C we have to I mean so much of that has to be done with the heart rather than the head and despite the fact that we tried to use it as much as possible you know we were the medical bits of the profiles and all of that because the first thing you see is a picture and a name the first thought is with the heart to an extent I guess I'm not really actually thinking too much about it as with all things I will think about it when in terms of the gender specifically, mm. I will think about it when it comes to it. Yeah, well, I think we probably won't really give that... I don't think, anyway, it will not be on our paperwork that we want either gender. Yeah, I agree. And I think that we'll probably be looking at a fairly similar profile that we said before, which is that we don't feel able to support known severe disabilities. Indeed. Um, that we're quite happy with certain health conditions and that kind of thing but we kind of would like not you don't always get the choice of course and you never know if health conditions or you know additional needs are going to develop later on in a child's life which is the same as if we'd biologically created a child of course health conditions are going to engage in our life could get hit by bus tomorrow yeah but it's quite a severe health condition that one that is (laughs) busness yeah (laughs) but i guess we've always kind of envisaged having quite an active lifestyle and our kids running around after us yes. and them being in mainstream school yeah. and eventually sodding off to work or or university so like sort of if we if it's known that so that's unlikely southeast asia yeah so if it's known that that's unlikely i think that was something that but one thing we were very comfortable with and that is the case with c was taking a little one on whose attachment was potentially going to be a problem yeah so c lived in several houses before she lived with us and that meant that well she wasn't really attached to anybody and she was used to just going to random adults for the needs 
to yeah. get her needs met. But because of my therapeutic background, that was something that I was really comfortable with doing. Whereas I think other couples maybe would be quite scared about such an insecure attachment to start with. And I think in addition, you know, our, our circumstance with the amount of time that I was able to take off and the fact that I will work from home for just as long as I possibly can and certainly all the foreseeable future, like, I am here, even though I am in the office, I am trying to work, the door is closed, it doesn't mean that if there isn't an emergency, the door can open, it's only a piece of wood on hinges, like, and and I think that has, well, that has massively helped our relationship, and I think especially when I talk to other men who are the primary breadwinners in in you know in their relationships and and have to go to work at least sort of three four days a week you know i think that male friends are acutely aware of the fact that a to a great degree they're just missing out because you know you come back from work and your wife tells you that they've done something today and you know you know you were up in a spreadsheet while they did their first xyz and also that your wife, your partner, whoever it is, you can support them as well. And, and, and that feels good to be able to take even just a few minutes off you in the middle of the day just to give you that little break sometimes. If that's all I can give, five minutes is worth its weight in gold in the middle of the day. Um, oh, for sure. There's been times where me just being able to say, can you take her for literally two minutes? Either so I can go in the garden and breathe or just go and do something like put the laundry away without somebody. Just that ability to be able to regulate and reset my nervous system whilst I'm not with her is so unbelievably valuable. And I think for that reason, both of us were more comfortable in taking on a child with more significant attachment issues because we were more confident that we would be in a place to be able to have her attach very securely to us. Mm. Um, if you hadn't had your therapeutic background, if I was working a sort of standard nine to five with a commute, I was out four or five days a week, we wouldn't be able to do that. But we are. And I think fundamentally, you know, that, those all, that, that bit hasn't changed roughly the same as it was before. I think ultimately the age of the child is something we do need to consider of course the approximate age because you you know you get what's available um yeah and i think i'm well not unique in this but maybe unusual in the adoption circuit or from sort of talking to people that they other people tend to assume that if you were given the complete free choice that you'd obviously take a newborn and actually it's not something that's super high on my priority list if we get a call from the adoption agency that says that c's got a biological sibling on the way then of course I would take a newborn at the drop of a hat. But actually, like, I do find interacting with newborns quite difficult. And from talking to friends who've been through that, the first three months in particular sound really, really, really hard. And I'm aware that there are so many biological changes in pregnancy that are all about trying to facilitate that bond between mother and newborn because you don't get a lot of interaction back. Um, I really don't like not having much sleep. And with, a, <laughs> and with a toddler, you do eventually get to the point fairly quickly where they sometimes sleep through 
or they're sleeping through enough or you're only waking up for half an hour whereas with a newborn it's not optional you have to wake up so to feed them because you have to wake them up you have to wait yeah you have yeah if they if they've got fed for x amount of hours you need to wake them up to feed them because they you know you need to make sure they survive and for me actually the idea of being able to skip that bit (laughs) doesn't sound terrible and i'm sure if we end up fostering to adopt a newborn i will treasure those early moments of them being tiny and that vulnerable and just really really small but also there is a big part of me that goes if i'm not having that huge maternal instinct to do that and there are and most children are older than that as well most children by the time they've got a placement order are kind of between 9 and 18 months yeah and i think there is there is something that i am acutely aware of the fact that that you miss when and I think it's it's when friends who've got children in that six to twelve month sort of age range, when we're around them, like you blink and suddenly they've done something new. Like you know, if you make a cup of tea, suddenly what? How are they standing? Like how how long was I making a you know a cup of tea for? Like and and yeah, those friends have said it just it goes by so quick, but it is such a whirlwind of new stuff and learning and 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 everything and development and and i am aware that we miss that time in the sea you know it's 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 not that there's any kind of regret like everything is as it is like we adopted her at roughly 18 months um and that's just how it was um but i think it i feel like would i have gone back and adopted her at six months if i could and 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 then given her another year of of being with us in perfect safety with us, yeah. But then you can't do that because that's not how time works, disappointingly. <laughs> no, I definitely mourn for the time that we didn't know her. Yeah. I think I think it will end up at being between 6 to 18 months. Um, yeah, I think that's going to make sense, really, sort of looking at our timeline. Because if we want to apply... So we can't apply until October, which will be a year since she moved in. And I don't... I don't think we'll do it immediately because she'll have just started nursery and we're going to want a bit of time to settle with with into that kind of new routine before we go through the whole process again. But I can't see it being a huge amount of time after that. I, I think what we might certainly do is just give our social workers a dozen just kind of say, FYI, we are going to apply soon. So if there's something incredibly annoying that takes three months, then start the clock ticking on mm. that. But otherwise... Yeah, and we're really hoping to keep the same social worker. Um, she, wa- she wants to stay with us. She's happy to do it. It will just make the whole thing a lot smoother. She's not planning on leaving the profession or anything like that or going on a big break. So it would be nice. It might make sense to just fit in with her work schedule and what oh, other yeah. couples yeah, and things no, that she's got. Especially, again, talking to our friends in the adoption in the adoption circle who've not had the utterly fantastic experience that we've had with our social worker it's it's so important that i think it's so important for me that she does it again yeah yeah i would um, yeah i think the whole process would have been a lot worse if we just she, had has, somebody she else. has made a brutal experience about as easy as i think it's possible for someone to mm. make it so thinking about new family what worries you about bringing a sibling in i'm honestly worried i love one of them more than the other and at this point the only thought i can have 
and it's genuine, it's really real, is that I cannot love anything as much as I love her like I love her. And I know, by the, because I've said this to a lot of people, and they all, you know, who have who have two or more children, and they all give me the same answer, but I just don't, I just don't think they're listening to me properly. <laughs> like, how... But did you think you could love somebody as much as you love her now? No, I don't. I didn't. I didn't think anything could love anything as much as I love her. So you know that capacity you had to grow and love somebody just gets bigger. Oh, I know. I know. My mother told me my mother has four children, and I'm the I'm the oldest. So, yeah, and by far the best. So it, it <laughs> makes a lot of sense that she would love me the most. And she can't say it, but but she said yeah. No, she she said exactly the same words. And it was just, I, I didn't think I could love anything as much as I loved you. But I, I love you all differently. But yeah, no, I think my I think my circumstance is completely different from everybody else's circumstance. So. <laughs> you just, you're the one human being in the world who only has the capacity to love one child. Well, maybe, maybe I've just used it all up. Or maybe what if I love them a bit and it uses up some of my love for C? Like, <laughs> and I know that's, I know that's not how it works, but... If you ask me the question, I'll give you the answer. And the actual answer is, I'm worried I might love the second one less mm. because I don't see how I can how I can love again this much, and I know that I will. I'm worried about her reaction because at the moment she's very protective over me. So if the cat sits on me, she will push him off and say, "No, Fluffy." If we try and hold hands, she will physically pull your hand out of mine. She will stand in between us with her arms outstretched and say no if we try and have a cuddle and if i hold somebody else's baby she immediately wants me to give the baby back and pick her up and so i think it's going to be a huge transition for her and it's not something that feels unmanageable at all because i've helped her through a lot of really big transitions already but the thing that makes me nervous is I'm going to be doing that alongside another child who's going to have really high anxiety because they've just had their entire life uprooted. And the idea of having to help her out whilst also helping another child form a secure attachment to us seems a bit intimidating. But I wonder if the fact that the practical side of things and some of the attachment parenting stuff, obviously we've practiced now, we've kind of worked out what our attitude towards things are, will mean that it's a little bit easier the second time round in certain ways. And of course, there'll be times when C now is in childcare. So I'll, I'll have that one-to-one time with the second one, but I'll have a lot less one-to-one time with the second one. So I wonder if it's going to take longer for them to feel secure. With, of course, the added additional thing of sibling rivalry and sibling dynamics, which, talking to friends of ours, are anything but simple to deal with. Because you can have two children who need two wildly different things. Like we've got a friend who's got two children and one of them has quite high anxiety and doesn't really want to know what's coming up because if you let them know what's coming up, they worry about it and they find that really difficult. But their sibling gets a lot of calming from understanding what's coming up during the day. So for one of their children, you'd have a schedule and you'd say what's going on And for the other one, if they see that schedule, it makes them really nervous. And that's just a small example of two children in the same household who are actually biologically related to each other having wildly different needs and working out who to prioritise 
kind of moment to moment and day to day, but also long term, just sounds hard. I think I'm I'm conscious of the fact that it's not just looking after a second child. It's also looking after a dynamic and suddenly things get a lot more complex and in, and get more complex in ways that you can't predict yet. And I think there is an irony to, I mean, you're right, by the way, there's nothing wrong about what you all just said that there. But of course, the complete difference is you are looking after a dynamic. And the fact that I can't know what that is means I don't obviously, well, I say obviously, but if you know me well, worry about it. Um, Andreas has the superpower of basically not getting anxious or worried about almost anything ever. Yeah. Uh, on my stat block, it says condition immunities, anxiety. Um, but there will be that dynamic. But because we have absolutely no way of assessing what it is, it, it, it will happen. We will just have to deal with, with it. Yes, she is jealous. She's obviously jealous of all attention that you pay to anything that isn't her. But she has started to play somewhat independently and she doesn't always break us up now yeah so yeah every now and then we do get to hold hands for a few seconds before she shouts no no like genuinely like we can hug and she does any what two months ago three months ago if we almost so much as hugged she could run from the corner of a room screaming no to to push us away from her um when you came in the door with her like, if I then hugged you, she would not like that. She would then want to be picked up by either one of us, but she would want to make sure that we kept a 30 centimetre rule. Yeah, that is true. I think um, she's getting better at that. And the thing that actually gives me a lot of, I guess, hope and the thing that I'm really looking forward to is seeing her interact with both her fake babies. So she's got three dolls that she looks after every day um, to varying degrees of success. <laughs> Um, but seeing her interact with them, but also with real babies and real, she's she's obsessed with babies. When the babies come to kind of her little gymnastics group, it can be a job trying to convince her to come and play on the gymnastics equipment because she wants to look at the babies and, and stroke the babies. And we've had, you know, low level complexity conversations about the idea of a sibling. So we, she's got a book about Peter Rabbit's three little sisters coming to live with him. And I you know, said, would you like a baby brother or sister? And she always goes, yes. Um, and I know that she's not old enough at all to contemplate what that actually means for her day to day. But she certainly likes the idea in abstract of having babies around. Yeah. And she loves interacting with other kids. That is something. That is something I was going to bring up. The fact that she is so maternal mm. as, and that to, in, in that way that sort of two to three year old girls can have the maternal instinct if you like um she is so always maternal in that way that i think she will love her little sibling eventually she will probably fall out with them every now and then but i mean the thing with a sibling relationship is you're stuck with somebody all the time who's also got an underdeveloped brain and has their own needs and wants and so of course disagreements happen yes but but i think she will really love being an older sister i get that sense too actually and i think i mean there's no point us doing this 
if it's just about us you know we talk about why we feel ready and why we want a second child in the house but it would not be right of us to be doing this if it wasn't about her as well and i think long term the benefits of having a sibling for her are huge and i do think that yeah despite i think probably some quite major teething issues that we're going to have with it that she will really enjoy that role yes yeah she is i think fundamentally she will like being an older sister and both of us want another child so let's get one there we go job's done brilliant (laughs) (laughs) so i normally finish with a sort of proud of me proud of them thing for parents and their children to kind of encourage the idea of pat ourselves on the back a little bit when we're doing things it feels a little bit strange to do it when it's just us and C um so rather than us going on for 10 minutes about why we're we're proud of her and why we love her I wonder if there's anything sort of little this week that she's done that you're particularly proud of so I think the thing I'm I'm proud of her about is the fact that she has settled herself to sleep for two nights in a row now you've gone up and done the story and done the cuddles and teeth brushing and all that, but you've left the room while she's been awake and we haven't done that, oh, I think ever. She is now so comfortable and so well attached to us that she will let us leave. Mm. And I also want to, I also want to, I, I actually don't, almost don't like it. I like the fact that I read and she falls asleep to the sound of my voice reading Worrythorus, but I am so proud of her for the fact that she has come to a place where she's able to do that. Yeah, there's always that bittersweet moment when she becomes just a tiny bit more independent or a bit more settled. And there's yeah. that, I think that's perpetual to parenting as as we go through. It's going to do. We're going to be seeing that until, you know. One day she's driving a car. Yeah, there are certainly. I know you take. I know you take the Vic. And I know you mock. Like I will still hold her hand when she walks down the stairs. I know. I know she doesn't need me to hold her hand when she walks down the stairs, but I will blink and then I will be driving her to university, and she won't be there. So I will hold her hand every single time. Feels like a good place to end. Thank you for agreeing to be on Pace and Love. Well, thank you for having me on Pace and Love. It's... Thank you for inviting me to be on the podcast. I love you. I love you too. If you enjoyed today's episode, please remember to rate it and subscribe to help other people find us. You can join the conversation with me on Instagram at Pace.Parenting or on Facebook at Pace Parenting. I'd love to hear from you.